0: I'm Cecilia Lay and this is Fifth the
1: Mission. I wish that our community embraced a collectivism more and was more willing to see how we are all interrelated.
2: This is Megan Bondi. She's one of about 7 million adults in the U.S. who was
1: immunocompromised. People say things like, oh, if the government wanted people to take the vaccine seriously, they shouldn't have focused on how disabled people are the ones getting sick because nobody cares about those people.
2: During this pandemic, a lot of public health information about the coronavirus has come with the caveat except for the immunocompromised with so much attention on this group you might be wondering what does it actually mean to be immunocompromised it's rarely explained yet it's more common than you may think the cdc estimates that seven million u.s adults are moderately to severely immunocompromised but experts are still learning how chronic health conditions might interact with the immune system This matters because a lot of people, about 40% of the country, are living with at least one chronic condition. That means they might be in danger of their immune systems being weakened. Health can be disrupted by a number of things, food, environment, hormones, genetic conditions, a virus. Any or all of these things can wreak havoc. With a COVID death toll of over 800,000 American lives and the spread of the Omicron variant, The vulnerability of immunocompromised people reminds us that good health is never a guarantee. Fifth Emission producer, Taya Francesca-Price, has a story of what it's like experiencing this pandemic with compromised health. Taya, tell me a little bit more about why you wanted to do this story.
3: Well, I guess right away, just, you know, for full disclosure, I'm part of that 40% you mentioned with a chronic health condition. So, you know, I I won't get too much into that. But what I will say is that there have definitely been plenty of hurdles over the past few years. And when the pandemic started, I realized, oh, it's not going to get any easier. Mm -hmm. But, you know, getting to interview other people about their health concerns and the extensive precautions that they've had to take during this time, it, it really resonated professionally. But also personally. I've been really interested in hearing how people who are most at risk from this virus are sometimes othered in conversations about the pandemic. You know, And I think you see it a lot on social media when, understandably, people are bemoaning having to wear masks again or just kind of this back and forth with health mandates because they say, well, I'm young, I'm healthy. This doesn't really apply to me. But That's treating the transmission of the virus as if if it's amongst low risk people, it's not a big deal. And yeah, I, th- I just thought that was really striking because anyone, anytime, any age can find out that their health status isn't as great as it seems.
2: And the pandemic has really crystallized for all of us
3: how fragile health can be, right? Absolutely. And I think that handling a medical situation that's life-threatening or even a condition that has potentially no cure, that changes how you view health and maybe how you value it. So for this story, I spoke to people with various health conditions about how they've navigated the pandemic, and that included Kristen Coleman. I met her in San Rafael when she was getting a booster shot at the Marin Center.
4: For me, um, I'm on a chemo pill, and so I didn't realize that that made me like, at higher risk.
3: Marin County and Safeway had partnered to provide booster vaccinations for the moderately to severely immunocompromised.
4: And so once I found that out, um, I just wanted to, you know, be as safe as I can for myself, just to give myself as much protection as possible. Public
3: health experts have emphasized that being fully vaccinated is not only about protecting individual health. It's about the health of the greater community. As the Omicron variant spreads around the world, vaccine booster shots are available and recommended to anyone over the age of 18. For months, Marin County, which is home to roughly 10,000 immunocompromised people, has boasted one of the highest vaccination rates in the nation.
5: And we're doing our third Moderna? Yes.
3: When I met Kristen in August, she let me shadow her process of getting a booster, weeks before they were available to the general California population. We talked a little bit about what led to her decision.
4: I feel like COVID is a lot like Russian roulette. You can go anywhere from zero symptoms to having a tube down your throat, and I'm not willing to take that chance of where I'm going to hit on that spectrum. So I just want to be safe.
3: Immunocompromised or immunosuppressed are familiar terms now, but they're an umbrella for many different health conditions. That includes people born with genetic disorders, people who have active cancer, HIV, chronic kidney, lung, or liver disease. It also includes people like Megan Bondi.
1: So I received a liver transplant in November of 2000, so coming up on 21 years.
3: Bondi lives in Concord, California. She's in her early 40s now, but at age 23, she underwent a liver transplant due to organ failure after a lifetime of other chronic health complications.
1: For most of my life, I think I just keep going without really an acknowledgement that all of these things make me medically fragile, as my doctor friend likes to say. And it's been in the last couple of years before COVID that I've started to have to adjust my sense of myself.
3: Like many organ transplant recipients, Bondi is on an immunosuppressant medication to prevent her immune system from trying to attack her new organ. She's on extra medicine because she has an autoimmune condition, which causes her body's immune system to attack healthy cells.
1: So I take two immunosuppressant medications twice a day, and they put me into that high-risk category. And then I also have a biologic infusion every six weeks, and that's also immunosuppressant. So I've I've got it coming from all sides.
3: In this pandemic, when experts identify people as being at high risk, they're talking about a case of COVID that could cause hospitalization, a need for ventilators, and intensive care. It's when the stakes could be life or death. The CDC has published a long list of medical conditions and situations that could put someone at high risk. But it's not final. The list will continue to update as science continues to evolve. That's important because experts are already seeing how COVID can impact many different systems in the body.
0: Yeah, so that's the crazy thing about um, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It, it becomes a systemic disease.
3: That's Dr. Nadia Ron, an immunologist at UCSF. She studies the interactions between immune cells and viruses.
0: So it's not only affecting the lung. If it spreads throughout the body, it can affect heart cells. It affects gut cells. You know, it, it basically affects the entire human body.
3: Experts are also starting to identify chronic complications in people who've contracted COVID, which is perhaps why the anti-vaccination stance some have taken generates such a strong emotional reaction from those with compromised health. For them, getting vaccinated and avoiding transmission of the virus is about more than personal safety. It's about not wanting others to experience life-altering health complications. You're listening to Taya
2: Francesca Price's report on immunocompromised people navigating the pandemic. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll hear some of the impacts felt by people with compromised health during the pandemic and whether the public perception of health has changed. You can support this show and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Let's get back to Taya Francesca-Price's story about immunocompromised people navigating the COVID-19 pandemic.
3: Because the stakes are so high for the immunocompromised, some people have to take greater precautions. Kristen Coleman, who we heard from earlier when she got her booster shot in Marin, says she rarely leaves home.
4: Like I haven't set foot in a store other than twice that I can think of since March of 2020. I've only bought four tanks of gas because I just, I don't go anywhere. So for me, being at home has not been an issue. I just feel like it's safe and doing my part to not spread. So.
3: It's been similar for Megan Bondi. About a week before California shut down at the start of the pandemic, Bondi went home from work with a doctor's note. Aside from going to a hospital for an infusion of medicine that controls her ulcerative colitis, she didn't leave her house again for months.
1: People were bringing me groceries. I didn't go anywhere. And so it was just this sense of being really locked down, everybody being very concerned about me, and for my own self, feeling pretty concerned as COVID was ramping up and not really knowing how to take care of myself.
3: Now, during this time, as many families can likely relate, Bondi was facing the challenges of distance learning for her kids. She was co-parenting during lockdown, navigating working from home.
1: And so it's this sense of trying to balance mental health and well-being and physical health and well-being and not really knowing how much my own sense of things is based in reality or based in my own needs to leave the house. The pandemic also disrupted routine medical appointments and procedures. I think in the first six or seven months did delay getting a mammogram, did delay getting a routine colonoscopy, which I currently get once a year. Didn't get my routine lab work done, which is a part of maintenance for transplant.
3: The coronavirus has brought social and economic chaos to everyone. But for the immunocompromised, the daily quality of their health is affected even if they don't get COVID.
5: I have to go to Kaiser once a month for my infusions.
3: That's a different Megan, Megan Long, who lives in the East Bay.
5: In her early 20s, she was diagnosed
3: with multiple sclerosis. She needs IV infusions to keep her MS under control. It's a disease that causes the immune system to eat away at the protective covering of nerves. To continue this treatment while avoiding COVID exposure risks, Long would walk 35 minutes to the hospital.
5: My infusion can't be done at home. And the infusion clinic that I go to, the number of people who are coming in person dropped pretty significantly. So like the few of us who did go in, it was like, I would sometimes be in that like area where the infusion happens, like by myself.
3: Long also says she hasn't seen her neurologist in person for nearly two years. She's had to do some physical therapy via telehealth, physical therapy with no physical interaction. On top of changes like that to her healthcare routine, patients like Long have had to figure out how to stay safe based on evolving information, which can be frustrating.
5: I had a nurse. <laughs> After my first vaccine, tell me that the drug that I'm on could impact the vaccine efficacy. And she was like, yeah, you should like wait and like do it like either two weeks before or two weeks after your infusion. But like, I haven't seen any data outside of her telling me this. And so it's like, I don't know if that's true or not. There's so little consistency and it's been very confusing.
3: Immunocompromised patients were not included in the initial vaccine trials, so patients who are the most susceptible to the virus are navigating their health situations with information that's even more vague than it is for everyone else, which is saying something. For example, one study of kidney transplant recipients found 75% of patients had no detectable antibodies after receiving a complete mRNA vaccine series. Dr. Nadia Ron of UCSF, who we heard from earlier, explains why those with depleted immune systems needed booster vaccines sooner. But before we hear from her, here's a quick science review. She's going to mention B and T cells. B cells generate antibodies that can prevent things like a virus from spreading. If a virus infects a cell, then T cells can target and destroy them. What mRNA vaccines do is teach the body to produce a spike protein that prompts both B and T cells to respond. Here's Dr. Ron.
0: The immunocompromised individuals, that's um, a different story. So, for example, individuals that are on a therapy that will deplete B cells, that by definition, those individuals will mount a less robust antibody response. And so that's why, you know, those individuals and others, you know, belonging in the immunocompromised group, they are one of the first ones that were eligible for the booster. Because the idea is that, you know, each time you boost, you will boost the immune system. And in these individuals that mounted a less robust one, the idea is to give their immune system more of a chance to mount these more robust B and T cells.
3: Despite science backing up the benefits of vaccinations, Megan Bondi learned about immunocompromised people reacting differently to vaccines on social media.
1: And that was an example of my, my denial that when I read that Becky had posted this, I was like, la la la, scrolling past. I would like to think I'm still safe with my vaccine. So I do not receive this information. It's, yeah, I think like everybody, it's just like, what am I doing? I don't know. And so even still, I don't know what my antibody situation is, even with three shots.
3: There are unknowns for people with compromised immune systems, but studies are showing vaccinations work, and a booster shot can reduce the risk of severe COVID by 90%. So among the immunocompromised, the sentiment towards the shots seems to still be positive.
5: And I, I'd expect that uh, we wind up with some kind of COVID vaccine every year or some kind of booster. It'd be nice if we didn't have to, but you, you do what you have to do.
3: This is Bill Hoewiesner, who is getting vaccinated at the Marin Center with his wife, Patty. This was an elderly couple who understood their status of high risk. For the last year, Bill took time to extensively read about the vaccines. And he says he's disappointed that so many people are refusing the shots.
5: We've been getting vaccines, polio, measles, mumps. We've been getting vaccines for everything forever. And all of a sudden now it's a political issue. It just seems very stupid.
3: I came across a lot of exasperation at the mention of vaccine hesitancy and frustration over the role politics has played in this global health crisis. Here's Megan Long.
5: I have family members and like former childhood friends who their media sources are OANN or Breitbart or Newsmax or occasionally Tucker Carlson and stuff. And I don't know how to get through to those family members anymore. Being on a ventilator is like so terrifying. And I've seen that. And like I've had friends die of COVID and I just like,
3: oh, (laughs) it's
5: like so intense.
3: As this pandemic becomes endemic, that is a virus consistently present in pockets of the world, people with chronic health conditions wonder where that leaves them as some people refuse to get vaccinated.
5: It's like, hi, like you have elderly family members and like vulnerable people like me. And like, you're just saying you're fine whenever I to see me in person again. And that's been really tough.
3: Kristen Coleman brings up the word compassion, because the lack of compassion is why some of the most vulnerable in our communities feel let down.
4: It's been shocking to me how little compassion other people have for others. You know, just to wear a mask, I mean, that's really not a difficult thing to do. And I have asthma, and I do it all the time. So I think for me, it's been more the selfishness of like, I'm in it for me kind of thing of just how prevalent that is in our society has been really disappointing.
3: This pandemic is disruptive. Shutdowns were a taste of what it can be like to live with restrictions due to health. And society had a hard time with such an abrupt shift. A spark of empathy doesn't always turn into compassion, that desire to do something and feeling compelled to help oneself and others. So I asked Megan Bondi whether she thought this pandemic was enough to shift people's mindsets about health.
1: I mean, I really do understand why people are hesitant to get vaccinated. I hope that people can seek out information with the idea of like, what would it take for me to feel comfortable in doing this? Because there's people who are just dying. And I mean, there's so much trauma and destruction still happening every day because of this virus. And I just, I hope that we can turn it around.
3: For Fifth Admission, I'm Taya Francesca Price. Taya
2: Francesca-Price is a fifth-emission producer. For the latest coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic, visit sfchronicle.com or the Chronicle app. Taya reported and produced this episode, and it was co-produced by King Kaufman and me. Thank you for listening.